spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label. hi guys and the end spoken label back in the house second podcast in a day not done this in ages it's been a fantastic feeling i'm over at manchester central library's cafe today and the last time i was here was two and a half years ago and it was random <laughs> And the lady I was chatting to, Helen at the time, we could bet we were shouting at each other to people could hear us. Now, I've got a lovely lady with me today, who I've met over at Word Central, here actually, recently. And she went over to Speakeasy and impressed me and Amanda so much, Amanda's asked me, point, told me point blank, get her on spoken language. So, young lady could quickly, and she's absolutely loved a bit, so, quickly. Obviously, we aren't making you blush anymore. <laughs> Do you want to, obviously, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them, um, look, tell, look a bit about where you're from originally, and we'll start from there. Sure, um, I'm Quigley Crying Brockbank. Um, I'm from Essex originally, but I've been living in Manchester for a while now. Um, I'm aware that my accent is Irish right now, but um, my mum is from Ireland, and I've been living in Dublin for a while, so... Yeah, um, that's what it caught me out, because the first time I met you here, I know it would speak easy, actually, it was. I said to Amanda after some, we both thought you were Irish. <laughs> I get that a lot. It really comes and goes depending on what I'm speaking about. Sometimes if I'm talking about something like that reminds me of Essex, I get a really strong Essex accent. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, you do like it. Um, if your family's from various areas, and Amanda's like this, I'm not going too much. Her um, dad is from Bradford, and her mum's actually from somewhere in Eastern Europe, but I can't remember. <laughs> but she'd lived in the Irish place like you have, and your accent changes, doesn't it? So. Yeah. Well, my little sister is like the thickest Essex accent. She's like, speaks so quickly, and it's like, ah, da, 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 da. <laughs> but my brother sounds really posh, so we all have completely different God, yeah, so that's, it's weird, isn't it, then? So, you obviously said forward, obviously, your mum. Um, tell us, obviously, like, you were originally born in Essex, weren't you, in Chelmsford? Yeah. And then you moved over to Dublin, didn't you, after you do your degree here, wasn't it? Yeah, I did a master's degree in Dublin um, at one of the unis there. And, yeah, I was hoping to kind of stay a bit longer, but obviously with lockdown and stuff, it got very difficult to get any kind of job. So I had to move, because Dublin yeah. is very expensive. Yeah, it's one of those ones that is a myth like it certainly used to be from Manchester to fly over there. It's a cheap flight. Yeah. Because when you get up, it was too expensive. And the housing crisis right now there is insane. Like, oh, it's worse it? than, like, Paris or London, like... Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Come to Manchester, it's cheaper, then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm here today to talk about your writing, because 
I first, this is a bit of a story behind this, isn't it? Because <laughs> you contacted me for Night Echo Run Speakeasy. You did. And um, then we came down to Word Central, I think it was the week before last month or the other month. And you were on on there, weren't you, reading? Yeah. And I said to Amanda after, I'm sure that young lady's down for it to speak easy. I double-checked and it was you, wasn't it? And we, we both loved your piece, so. But then we've seen you read a couple more times since. You're brilliant, so. Now, where did your writing originally come from? I actually have, like, no idea. Ah, <laughs> oh, right, so what was your degree in Masters in then? Oh, my degree was in English Lit. Um, I actually did a creative writing course while I was on that, but... Uh, my teacher or the professor said that my writing was irredeemable. What's irredeemable mean? I'm telling you, does that mean? Yeah, like it could not be redeemed. It was just. That's not, that's not a new comparison. It was not great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know I've only kind of just started writing recently. Um, I wrote when I was like 11, and I got like something published. <laughs> hmm in like a children's poetry anthology and like I've never been able to compete with myself at 11 years old so I just stopped <laughs> writing for like, like 10 years. Oh wow. <laughs> so then it came back here obviously a bit later on then didn't it so? Yeah like literally maybe October last year like very recently. God, is that, it's recent isn't it so? Very recent. That's, that's the good interesting like you work it like three, three times I've heard you work sat, that well formed. It shows you. No, it just shows you like it's, it, it is, it's almost like you're meant to be isn't it so? I hope so. I really like writing. I mm. think it's less... It's always been that I'd want to write, but that I've been kind of stopping myself from doing it. And I think I'm just stopping myself less now, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, I really enjoy it, though. It's just It feels good <laughs> when I actually do the writing. Yeah, because you primarily... People are wondering, you're a short story writer that I'm aware of. I don't think you've done anything else, have you? So. Um, I have a few other little things, but like, like poems or whatever. But generally, short story and flash fiction, yeah. For now. For now, yeah, I mean, it might change. It might change, right? So, now, obviously, I've got to ask you the question, obviously, we were talking off mic before, Amanda spotted. First time we saw, when we saw you at Word Central, Amanda absolutely was a stitches in your first piece. When I don't want to give too much away in case you read it today, but the body parts and stuff, and it came again, we heard it again and again. I thought, different parts here. What is the obsession with body parts? <laughs> You'd have to ask my therapist. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, actually there's like three things that seem to come up a lot in what I'm writing um, I'm not really sure why um, It's body parts, uh, religion um, and uh, mud or like dirt Really? I'm not entirely sure why um, That's interesting I think the religion stuff is like I went to Catholic school, that makes a lot of sense Ah, oh, Jim, they always say religious guilt or something, don't they? Or yeah. whatever, yeah Yeah, very that's, much That's fast, 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 but the body parts thing, like, it was like we both honestly thought, and I know you told me otherwise, you just said before, we both thought you'd done some sort of medical degree, so you were a student nurse or something. I think I'd be able to write more sensible pieces if I had done one. <laughs> I have no idea about an athlete. Um, I don't know, actually, looking back on a lot of stuff I wrote that was kind of like the tail end of lockdown, like October time, it kind of makes sense that a lot of it's like, um, kind of the desire to like connect with stuff again, and I think there's a lot of like, isolation at that time where you're not really in touch with your body especially if you're like sitting on your computer all day mm. you kind of don't yeah and you know, obviously your for people obviously know now i know you've got a job at works and home at the moment so yeah. it's like it's that's makes that's probably where it comes from probably and then it so yeah or kind of like being trapped inside your body or wanting to cut things from you 
you know what I mean? Yeah, lovely. <laughs> I'm kind of not sure what the kind of level of taste is for many of these things because the, it just doesn't bother me to write this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like, do you find um, when you're writing and you think like, you've got, this seems very, it's very raw for you and it's very uncensored almost as well. Like it's, do you surprise yourself when you look back at them afterwards? Um, I'm still kind of only just learning to edit my own pieces because I'm still very much like, Hmm. I can only write if I don't think about the fact that I'm writing and as soon as I'm like trying hmm. to do something I find that it doesn't come as easily or it feels too forced so I can only really write when it's like there's something in me and I'm trying to get it out yeah and that's why you're dragging your body out aren't you <laughs> yeah it's very like purging but then when it's out it's like I kind of don't want to look at it too much because I'm afraid of what it's going to be but um, I'm getting better I'm learning to edit but I'm I think a lot of comes from experience really and that's why it's yeah. like you've told me already we've worked out what you've done on open mics here so obviously I'm not going to name what the nights were in order but um, tell us about the first night you did then um, the first ever one I did was The Mind Over Matter oh, I wasn't going to name the night so I did one oh, in Paris okay. <laughs> oh, well you might have to name it then yeah and that's ironic where I've just been actually before <laughs> so yeah tell us about that first experience then when you go on a stage have you ever done any work on stage before me? no like um, I was really into acting as a kid and then I stopped that at secondary school um, as well but I don't know it was horrifying <laughs> oh. yeah it was just made me feel sick and like everyone seemed to be talking about like how they get such a buzz off doing the open mics and stuff and as, like, as soon as you're done, it's such a sense of relief. But as soon as I was done, I was like, I just want to go home and be sick. <laughs> hey, so I think your first one's like that is really. Is, I've been doing it for, what, 15 years now, one way or another. I don't do as much nowadays because various reasons. But yeah, first, I remember the second one I ever did, and this is my story. So it's, I ended up um, doing a night in Wivington, actually. And we'd been out all day, me and my friend had drinking, who was, a, who, was, who was a poet himself. And we ended up doing five, ten minutes set each. And my stomach went off after it was on stage. Oh. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean there. So. That horrible physical feeling yeah. of air. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. It's pretty like, it obviously didn't put you off, did it? It made you want to do it again and again, didn't it? So. Well, it sort of, it didn't make me want to do it again, but it was more like I forced myself to do it again. Oh, what are you like? <laughs> Whereas like I knew that I wanted to do this more. Um, so I've kind of been trying to do that. And actually I have enjoyed it more as it's gone on. Or maybe liked it, disliked it less. I'm yeah. not sure which. I think a lot of it depends on the night you're doing as well sometimes. And it's not bad mouth again in the nights you've done because I, I run one, call one of them. <laughs> That's the best one. That's the one. Yeah, of course, of course. But now you like, I think every night you go to, the, the environment's different in every one. And yeah. I think sometimes if you first night you're going to have done it, it's a fairly busy night. It can, you can afterwards can be like, it can leave you a nervous wreck. Yeah, yeah, and like, if everyone does a specific type of thing, then if you do something different, it feels like you stand out more, and yeah. that's not very much in a good way. You know, like I feel like certain evenings want certain types of things, and like it's difficult when you're reading like short stories as opposed to like spoken word poetry or like slam poetry and stuff, because I think there are nights that are specifically for them. Yeah. Um, and if you read, it often you can tell that the audience isn't as into it as if you read at ones that are kind of people are reading all kinds of stuff and you can, yeah. yeah whatever that's, you that's, the, that's the nice I tend to prefer going to because anything goes to me <laughs> I know what you mean with that and Amanda's the same she just writes everything anything so <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it, do you reckon that's the direction you're going to carry on for yourself and more concentrate your short stories and more do you know, not flash fiction or um, I think I'd 
like to write longer pieces at some point in the future, but um, I would have to learn to sustain my attention on something <laughs> and actually edit and plan things because I haven't planned anything that I've written ever. <laughs> um, but for now, I'm really enjoying just writing whatever comes into my head. Oh yeah, fair play. What's the longest piece you've done so far then? Oh, I think it's a, maybe like 7,000 words, maybe a bit less. That's, 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 that's not bad, that's about 30 pages then basically, isn't it? So. Maybe it's less, I don't know, something yeah. like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it's something that's too long to read an open mic night, isn't it? Also. Yeah, and it's a shame because uh, I'd like I'd like to read some of it, but like it's quite narrative so it's hard to know. I'm not sure if an open mic night would be the best location for it, but I'm not sure if there is a place where you can just go and read a rather long short story. No, that'll take you, what, 20 minutes probably, won't it? So, yeah. Yeah, it's... yeah save that to get our, our long slots somewhere. <laughs> I'll have to start my own night, where it's just yeah. a very long thing. Well, that's, that's, that's a good thing, the sort of poachers on the open mic circuit and the manager and the spoken words are. You, you can set your own night up quite easily if you wanted to, couldn't you? So, wait and see, as I would say. So, now, I don't want to obviously go on too long for you today, quickly on there, obviously, this chat side, because I know it's still, you're still getting to grips with it for yourself, really, aren't you? So, could you see yourself writing a novel in the future? I'd love to. That would be really good. Hmm. Um, we'll have to see. Wait and see. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm going to want to talk about obviously your style of writing before we conclude then. Um, when you were growing up, is there any writers that you really liked that you think have influenced your work in a way even? Oh. Whether it's subconscious <laughs> or not even? Um, I have hmm. a thing where I tend to get really, really, really into specific writers for like oh, a, yeah. a period of time. Mm. Um, some of them, I can't say if it influenced my work or if I just like them, but I loved Kafka. There was a big period where I got really into Kafka. Oh, yeah. Some, some of his stuff is really challenging, don't you, sometimes? Yeah. He just never read his song. Well, I couldn't tell, I couldn't name any of them too, so I did it. I did him. studied him at university for a term. Oh, right. <gasps> oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Mine's gone. The one where you wake up and you're a cockroach. That one? That was one, yeah, Metamorphosis, yeah, that was the one. That's the one I, was, I knew there was a bug one. I thought, that's the big one of his <laughs> red. Yeah. That's the big one. It's a bizarre story. That. Anyway, right. So, <laughs> anyway, so who else have you been obsessed with over time? Um, D.H. Lawrence, I'd say, is my Sons and Daughters is the one Sons I have. Sons and Lovers. Sons yeah. and Lovers, that's the one of his I really like. Um, and The Rainbow. Yes, I've read The Rainbow. That was a few years ago as well, yeah. <laughs> but he also has a lot of kind of god mud and body parts so i don't know yeah so i think that's not a bad comparison of your work actually because i can can see it a little bit in places well, that's yeah, so flattering <laughs> listen dear clovin's wrote for a long time didn't he so <laughs> he's written so many pieces yeah he's also a very problematic person but <laughs> i think i mean tell me an opinion on it so do you think a lot of the great writers are problematic in a way aren't they so i think a lot of people are problematic um and a lot of writing tends to be unfiltered in a way that you know you might be more filtered when you're trying to say things that aren't kind of just pulled out yet yeah um, and someone like is a kafka and also dh lawrence say well what dh lawrence is pushing 100 years ago and kafka was even more wasn't it so i'm um, kind of 1920s 1940s yeah. so yeah around that time really um but you know i think some people are not so good for their time, and some people are of their time. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a subtle way of putting it. I think <laughs> some writers don't really like it. I've got a few writers I like, but you can't read them nowadays because it's not because of cancel culture. It's they're not dated well. Yeah, like sometimes you read something and it just makes you cringe the whole way through and you're like, yeah. oh God, why can you not just have better thoughts than this? I've got a sci-fi writer, I'll tell, him off, tell you off mic. I used to read them, Dad loved me reading them at 10 and 11. And I looked back at them the other month and I thought, 
Oh dear, that's so incredibly sexist. Oh, there are a lot of sci-fi. Sci-fi is a big one. I can imagine this. Yeah. I really like some of them though. I feel like some of the people I, I really enjoy are just very problematic. But you just have to read them with a critical lens. Yeah, yeah I think you do. Is like if the, the older, further back you go, you've got to ignore it, haven't you? So, I mean, I think I've laughed at myself thinking people have been discussing our work in 100 years' time. <laughs> That'd be nice. They'd be calling me horribly problematic. And they'd calling me downright insulting. <laughs> right, quickly. Uh, what we'll do is we'll wrap up now on this bit. I want to give you plenty of time to let you read some pieces out for us tonight. So instead of us chatting on behalf an hour, I know you were, you're at the beginning of your writing career, but I want people to hear your work tonight okay. more. So now it's um, how do you want if people want to contact you? Are you okay? People contact you through Facebook at the moment. Do you want to find out more? You were, um, I guess, sure, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put your Facebook page on there on the right, so people can track you down. So, okay, I'm gonna make an Instagram account for my stuff at some point, so well, hopefully that will be up by the time, yeah, this podcast goes live. So then you can we can, we can bung that on as well. I think that's a great <laughs> idea because it. I found, there's a good point for anybody, is, is doing, when I've moved to speak easy onto Instagram as well, fairly recently, the queries you get on it are incredible. Really? Same with Twitter as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need to actually do social media. I don't have any at the moment. It's very bad. I, I'm not really into it that much, to be honest with you. It's horrifying to me. I hate it. I don't want to be, like, observed by anyone. Yeah, same for me, but it's not in my time of writing or speak easy on podcasting. So. Anyway, right. I'm going to change topic now before I put my foot in my gob. <laughs> so, I'll see you on. Hi guys, yep, I'm still here with Quickly. She's going to read out for us now. I think it's, is it, is it flash fiction, is Quickly, or short stories? A uh, bit of both. Bit of both, though. Over Quickly. Um, okay, so this first one is called, Yeah, but I don't think it really means anything. Great title. <laughs> this ear thing growing out the back of my head, I don't know, it's never really bothered me. Like, it did when I was a teenager, maybe, and a couple of other kids said things, but I grew up in a small town. There are always weirder kids with weirder things going on to pick on instead. I never really cared about the odd remark because I didn't care about the ear itself, you know? Thinking my hearing was maybe better. Like having eyes in the back of your head. Could really hear things said behind me. Hear stuff all over the place. But that's just in retrospect. At the time it was all I knew. Hearing was just hearing. And a little knob of flesh somewhere I couldn't see didn't pop into my head more than once a month. Unless I lay on it funny or someone chose to remind me of it. It was just a part of me, you know? I didn't think to care about it really. But here we were, me small, and peering over the dashboard thing at the passenger side, my dad in the driving seat, and I haven't seen him in maybe two years, which is a very long time in Chinaland, you know. Like, it's nothing now, but I remember it feeling like he'd been dead and come back to life for me, come back across some vast ocean just to drive me to school. And he turns to me as he's driving, we're in his fancy car, I felt like a spaceship to me at the time, I couldn't believe I got to be in it. I got to have this man drive me to school in my own spaceship with leather seats to lay back so far. Well, he turns to me, and his eyes look sad, and he says, such a shame about that ear, eh? And it takes me a little while to work out what ear. Like, I've got plenty to choose from. Or is it even one of mine that he's talking about? But his eyes move to the back of my head, though I know he can't see it. It's facing the other side. Can't be seen from my hair half the time anyway. So we've just been sitting in the car all this time, not talking. And I guess I thought the silence was comfortable. But my little kid brain realises he's been thinking about it. All this time he's been thinking about my ear and what a shame it is. Not saying anything. So I just say... I guess. I don't really know what to say. I'm hoping he'll explain what's such a shame, but he just looks back at the road and lets out this long breath. Then after a minute, me just sitting, waiting for more, because now I know that he's thinking about it, sitting there thinking, and he says, is it hard being around the kids in school? Do they say nasty things? And I think, oh, he's worried about me. It's just that he loves me and he's concerned. So I say, oh, no, not really. Like, I get the odd comment, but no one actually cares. And he says, oh, really? He seems so surprised. 
I don't understand it, so I just wait. I just sit there because he's gone back to silence, so now I know silence means he's thinking about it. But I don't know what to say. I told him the truth, and he's still looking at the road. He sighs again and says, It must be very hard, though. You must want to get rid of it. <laughs> like, it's not a question, just a statement. I must. And then says, I could help you with that, you know. I could get rid of it for you. I know it must bother you. But I'm confused because it doesn't bother me. Should it have? Am I missing something? I say, not really. It's just normal for me. And my dad says, not really. So it does bother you at least a bit. You don't have to settle for normal, you know, when you can fix things, you can do better. You know you'll feel better when it's gone and you'll be so grateful, you'll be glad. And again, I don't really know what to say, but I feel like he's wrong. I feel like I don't want to get rid of it. It's my ear. I need it. I grew up for me. I grew up myself. So I swell myself up and I say, no, I don't want to get rid of it. I like it. It's me. And dad says nothing. We sit in silence the rest of the ride home. Then when I'm in bed that night, I hear him arguing with my mum. Not loudly, he never argues loudly, but she's loud, so I know he's speaking calm and quiet and measured again, and for whatever reasons, she's just going crazy at him. I wish he would just calm down, I'm trying to sleep. And now I must have been asleep because I'm woken up, and I know it's night time still because it's dark and the crack between the curtains, and my father's here, in my room. He's come especially just to see me. But I pretend to still be asleep so I don't blow it and make him leave, and he creeps over to me, and I see he's carrying the scissors from the kitchen drawer, and very, very quickly, it's so fast I don't realise until after it's happened, he's cut it off, my ear, he's cut it off with the scissors, it's in his hand now, and I'm bleeding and it hurts, and I start to cry and cry, and he soothes me and strokes my hair until I feel better, and he puts the plaster on the cut where my ear was, and tells me I did so well, aren't I glad now it's gone, don't I feel so much better now it's gone, and as he pats my hair I do feel better. So I nod, and he smiles, and then he goes to leave, dropping the ear in the bin near the doorway like it's an ugly little thing, and I go back to sleep. <laughs> I don't know how to react, react to that. <laughs> I'm not going to ask, was that a true life incident? <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> what made you, obviously, I'm interested in knowing atmosphere, first of all. I don't want to go into the content of the story much, because it's obviously brilliant itself. <laughs> What made you want to actually come up with a title? That class a really good, quite wordy title. I just really hate writing titles. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend said it was reminded her of a conversation that you'd have in a pub with someone who doesn't realise that what they're saying is actually kind of a big deal. And they're just like, no, I don't think it means anything. So I was like, that'll do, I'll use that. <laughs> it's tremendous anyway. So, Okay, on to number two then. Uh, this is called Words Confessed by St. Peter in the Dirty Leather Booth of a Pub Last Week. I'll be asking you for that title again afterwards. <laughs> Go for it. Another wordy one. And as I left at the party, my mother called out to me, Before the clock crows thrice, you will deny thyself three times tonight. I laughed at her as I closed the door behind me. The party was alive, surrounded by friends. It was warmth in the air and love in every breath. After midnight, I found myself talking to a new guy, and drunk, I tried to make him out. He seemed sweet and kind, tall among the party's murk. He told me stories, and I noticed his face was wide open. I opened mine in return, and we stood there in communion, two sets of eyes passing secrets between them. He handed me the unbroken thread of his body, and I held it, floating with the excitement of such trust, but as I went to bring forth my own, to tie the two together, I realised he'd gone. I was standing alone and exposed, himself across the room, his eyes flat and glassy, the shutters of his face pulled tight. And as the clock struck one, I wondered what I had said or done to change him. I wondered if he had looked at me like that at all. But the night was young and the party in motion, so I moved with it. Feeding friend and stranger alike, I felt myself in flow. There was plenty of love in me to go around. My body fizzed and I moved about the room in a cloud of joy, myself and my fellow men, when I found myself, somehow, stood next to him again. 
Determined not to be fooled twice, I was charming yet closed. I flowed forth only so much as I would with any other, but surprised, I found he looked at me with pity. A priest he stood before me, and I told me of the neat order of his emotions. He did not leak like I did, he did not burst and bubble in a manner I would learn to control when I was older. Calm and certain, serene in his better comprehension of the world and the body, as the clock struck twice, I thanked him for his wisdom. I fell to my knees before him, and he helped me down, but as no flesh passed between us, only the knowledge of order and control, only the unlearning of myself. With a second chime still echoing, I returned to the party a monk. I passed between the revellers now, taking sins, dispensing wisdom. I did not flow into them as I had, but I heard their woes and they thanked me. Each face upturned to me in a pain I did my best to ease from my distinct and ordered tower. Unblemished by my gut, I gave advice I felt objective. And yet, when I moved about the throng, strange bubbles formed within me, rising up from below and searching desperately for a surface at which to break. I ignored them as I had been trained, until, as the mask grew and grew, the dam broke and an unbridled torrent burst forth from my throat, battering my teeth. Ashamed, I tried to hide such disorder, but the congregation cried out in joy. At last, they cried, and let forth their own outpouring, till the room was drenched in laughing. We danced together in the rain, a body of people connected in our restriction as in our relief. I felt myself alive again and flowing among the party, but something was not right. A friend poured fondness in my ear. We are not the ones for whom your tongue hungers. Doubting and afraid, but feeling myself in motion, I nodded and turned to him who had so bridled me. But before I could open my mouth to flood him, I saw I was talking to a different man, a third person who did not recognise me. His eyes held open to another's, he did not notice me. And as the clock struck three, my words withered inside of me. I had nothing to say, for how could I feel such a torrent for one so wholly unconnected? How could I hold such violent feeling for a man who had not, did not ever, seen anything within me? We had been strangers all along. How could I have formed such strong beliefs? What strange pathology within me had so desperately wanted to see otherwise? The rest of the party simply passed. I did not know how I felt or who I saw, for I had become nothing. I looked upon the earth with deadened eyes and saw very little of those I loved. When I returned home, I cried out to my mother, Mother, what has become of me? There is something wrong here, but I cannot find its origin. She looked at me with smiling forgiveness. Ah, my love, you have denied thyself. You have effaced thy body. No, I said to her, confused. No, I don't think that's it. Excellent, excellent. I, I really like the ending of that one there. <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard that one before. I knew, I've heard the first one. I knew the first one. Yeah. That's, that, that, was, that, I've heard that one. I, I love the ending there, so... You can give me the title of that again, because I've got the Catholic guilt bit in that. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm going to say there. So. Um, that's called Words Confessed by St. Peter in the dirty leather booth of a pub last week. I'm going to get you to write all these down, because okay. I, I, I don't work, my brain doesn't work that quick to write them down. It's a long one. The other yeah. titles are shorter, I swear. Good. Okay, as we've got absolute loads of time still, do you want to go into the third piece when you're ready? Sure. Um, this is a short one called a Fungus on the Face of God. Ooh, more Catholic guilt. <laughs> <laughs> Lot of God and body parts, I don't know why. There were roots growing out of the bottom of your feet. Long, thin, white hairs trailing deep underground. I've always felt them, but they're so fine they're hard to see. Shifting strands that slide through the earth unnoticed. They're like nerves to me. I flinch each time they meet each other. Feel each impulse travel through me. I'm like a tooth. I feel other people's too, grazing mine as we pass. Sometimes I am sure we have become entangled and the nerves of theirs have been felt as the nerves of mine. The pain of this is almost unbearable. 
I don't know where they lead to, but I like to picture the convergence as a heaving mass of matted roots breathing somewhere in the core of the earth. Or perhaps they're more fungus, letting us leak out their spores for them as roaming, fruiting bodies. I used to find the thought comforting, the earth holding us to her, leashed as wanton children. It's harder to hate the others too when you feel their roots near you, when you know them to be but your brother fungus growing on the face of God. Lately though, I'm not so sure about the roots. They've been pulling at me. It's becoming harder to lift each foot and each landed step seems deeper into the ground. The mud began to creep between each toe and now it's at my ankles. I'm wading all the time. I'm afraid to be pulled down for I cannot breathe the dirt. I made the decision a little while ago and now I sit upon the ground with a small bone knife in hand. I've tried to cut the roots before but they will not be severed. So I sit, breathing in and out, deliberating, waiting for resolve, but I know it will not come unless I trick myself so without thinking I begin to cut the flesh from me. What shocks me is it doesn't hurt. My blood is so loud within me I cannot feel and I watch my hands begin to cut the sole from my first foot and the roots blacken and wither as I am in part released. Halfway untethered my body swings upwards. My hands hold the knife to my next foot. My gut twists as the knife enters and more roots begin to die and with each ruined nerve the earth needs me less but I cannot stop. I will not be pulled down into her. The heel, the arch, the ball, each toe is shorn of flesh. The raw redness is open to the air, puckered with empty root holes. As the knife nears the last sad fibre, I am hanging almost completely upwards from the earth. The root screams as it tries to hold me alone, but I end it, pushing the knife through and clear, and I grasp at the ground to hold myself still to the earth, but the grasp my fingers clutch is weak and rips under my weight. Then I am falling, falling into the gaping blue mouth that is the sky. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm scared of you now. <laughs> it's incredible that one, the graphicness of that. <laughs> I just want an adult one of this podcast. It's an odd one. <laughs> it's not my most marketable piece. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. It's, it's great storytelling, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. We've got, do you want to do one more? Sure. Okay. This is a bit of a longer one. That's fine, we've got time, okay, so okay. go for it. This is called Opening Up. Oh, short title again. I see what you mean. Yeah. Anyone's following these podcasts, do we notice? They start off at epic title, long title, short title, now a really short one. Yeah. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Hi there. No, you're in the right place. Come on in. There are no set times for tours, so I'm happy to give you guys one now if you like. Just a few of you today, I see. Well, that's absolutely fine. We can get to know each other a little bit. Have you travelled far? Oh, sorry, no, that's fine. I'll keep it quick. Don't want to be keeping you if you're busy. No worries at all. Let's get started. First stop on our tour. Now, could anyone tell me what this is? That's right. It is a stomach. If you just want to pass it around amongst yourselves. Yeah, feel free to give it a good feel. That's great. Not what you expected, is it? Now, a lot of people think the stomach is going to be pink and squishy. Quite a cute organ. But as you can see and feel, this one's more of a rusty brown and quite swollen too. Hard with something inside it, right? Not quite so cute. Of course, this shouldn't be seen as a standard for stomachs, as what you're here to see are abnormalities, and this piece is a great example. It's certainly not something you would want for yourself. Oh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Yes, this and everything you see today are in fact all my own organs, so no need to worry about ethical sourcing. Now, this stomach, for example, should not be nearly so hard. Also, if you give it a shake or a squeeze, yep, you've got it, just like that. See how that thing inside softens and starts moving around. You hear that strange sort of ripping and sucking sound? What is that? Another great question. It's clearly something abnormal, but 
full disclosure, we actually don't know. We know there's something bad in there which seems to be trying to get out and we feel like it might want to hurt people. So this governing body, pun intended, has decided not to investigate too thoroughly. It does seem to be fine where it is and it's not hurting anyone so just an exciting abnormality to show you all. Next up we have this long, metallic looking object. Now this was taken from the space between the front of my ribs. See how it would sit right there from the end of the sternum to just above where your tummy is? Now again, I should stress, this is not a common organ. This one has only been found in me. There may well be others in existence, but they haven't turned up quite yet. For now, little is known about what it is or what it does, but we think it acts as a sort of filtration system and a store for body dirt. Notice how the casing looks clean and shiny, and cold to the touch, but if you look at your hands after handling it, that's right, they've become all dirty. And if we take a little of this casing off, there you see, there's all this nasty dirt build up inside it, clogging it up. Pardon? Well, as I say, we're still learning about it. We're really not sure why I have this and no one else seems to. But maybe we just haven't had enough people cut themselves open for us. But we currently believe that some bodies simply take in and hold on to more dirt than others, making the growth of this organ due to necessity. We're not sure how much of this is genetic, but it seems that the dirt gets into the body somehow, perhaps creeping in under the fingernails, or it might be ingested or breathed in. But when one is frequently exposed to dirt, or particularly vulnerable to its invasion, the body seems to compensate by developing this system to pull as much of that nastiness out of the bloodstream, out of the circulation, keep it locked up nice and safe here where it can't get on anything or cause any problems, keeping the whole body protected. Do you have a dirt sink? Well, I really can't answer that for you unless you let me a little more into you. <laughs> no? Well, I will say I personally feel mine all the time. I was very aware it was there before showing it to you guys, so my guess is if you can't feel it already, you probably don't have one. Though you're only young, maybe you'll grow one in time if enough dirt gets into you. Okay, now we have this item. Who can tell me where this belongs? Oh, good guess, but not quite, I'm afraid. Yes? <laughs> I've heard that suggestion before, but no. What if I told you this organ is a clencher? It pulls a small group of muscles into constant crushing contact. No guesses? Come on guys, do you even have organs? Just a joke, of course these are abnormalities so they can't be too popular. This is another of my own little creations. Maybe my body just needs more help holding on to itself. The little pincer looking thing here actually goes deep in the throat. And if it's working properly, keeping an eye on our little friend in the stomach, it creates an almost constant feeling of nausea, as if something horrible deep inside you wants to get out, and something very tight and strong knows to keep it in just where it should be. Now this organ is my personal favourite, I'll admit, because at the end of the day, it keeps us all safe. The restriction of this one does have side effects. It can be hard to breathe or speak, for example, but it's all for the best if it keeps everything in its proper place. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right, I completely forgot about the time. Could you stay for one more? I'll skip some of the lesser ones, the spine holes, etc. I've been saving the best till last. Sorry? Oh, haha, <laughs> I've had that asked before, but actually no, surprisingly few abnormalities in that region, or they would be included in the tour. Not sure why that is exactly, but I'd make a joke about lack of use if there weren't children present. Okay, right. Last, but certainly not least, we have this beauty here. We don't actually have a name for this one, and it's not been found in anyone else either, though I have been searching. We have absolutely no clue what this one does, simply because, as you can see, there's not much to it. It seems to be a coagulated mass of flesh. Sometimes it throbs, sometimes it feels pain. It seems to be known to wander a bit around the abdomen, like the proverbial womb, but mostly it appears to just sit there, occupying a space in the body. It does not connect with any other organ, nor does it have openings or entrances for things to get out. It's not a tumour, as these cells are not cancerous. The body has grown it on purpose. 
Give it a feel. It feels horrible too, doesn't it? Completely dense and unyielding. There's nothing in it. It just sits there all the time. Oh, are you sure you have to go so soon? Well, I mean, you're welcome to stay longer if you like. Before you go, what do we think of this last one? Do we like it? Do you like what I've shown you today? Do you still like me? Do you have any organs you'd like to share? No? Come on, I'm sure you can stay a little longer. Got some great games you can play if you like. Or why not fill out a visitor's form? Tell me what you thought of everything. You've seen me open. You can't leave now. Look, I can search for more in me too quickly before you go. Maybe you like the new ones more. Why don't we look together? No? If you're worried about me, I can sew myself up whenever I want. There's literally no limit. It doesn't hurt at all. It's fine. Look, are you sure you won't? Can't I? Fuck. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant, and I do remember that piece. <laughs> you, you, you don't tend to forget that one, don't worry. That's all I'm going to say. Fantastic. And I really enjoyed this today, quickly. Thank you. Me Thank you too. again for today. Definitely want you on the board again if you stay in the managerium. Please do. I'm happy to. I've got a few suggestions that I'll we'll talk about off mic to honestly you straight. It's been tremendous. Thank you today. Thank you very much. As Don Callis always says, guys and girls at Impact Wrestling, or formerly Impact Wrestling, stay safe and stay over. And we'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.